Should we continue sinning just so God can show us more and more of His wonderful grace? Of course not. Now that we have died to sin, we should not continue to live in it. Have we forgotten that when we joined Christ in His baptism, we joined Him in His death? We have died and have been buried with Christ in baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, we also may live new lives. Put to death the sinful, earthly things lurking within you. For we have stripped off our sinful nature and all of its wicked deeds. Instead, put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your Creator and become like Him. My old sin nature, it's dead and gone. Psalms 85, 4 through 7 says this. Now restore us again, O God of our salvation. Put aside your anger against us once more. Will you be angry with us always? Will you prolong your wrath to all generations? Won't you revive us again so your people can rejoice in you? Show us your unfailing love, O Lord, and grant us your salvation. I got a couple rapid fire verses here about revival. James 4, 8 says this, come close to God or draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, purify your hearts for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. Psalms 51, 10, create in me a clean heart, O God. And renew or revive a right spirit within me. Ephesians 5.14 For the light makes everything visible. That is why it is said, Awake, wake up, O sleeper. Rise from the dead and Christ will give you light. Matthew 6.33 But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things will be added unto you acts 319 now repent of your sins and turn to god that your sins may be wiped away romans 12 1 and 2 i think for the past five messages i've preached this verse has been a part of it but it's such an important part of the gospel. It says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing or by the revival of your mind, that ye may prove what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now again, I'm going to read Romans 12, 1 through 3, but out of the New Living Translations. And it says this, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. 
Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind that he, God, will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but let God transform you and revive you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. In verse 3 it says, But the privilege and authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. Don't think that you are better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring by the faith that God has given to us. In Second Chronicles 7.14 Then, if my people, then, if the church... Then if you who call yourself Christians are called by my name, if you will humble yourselves and pray and seek my face and turn from your wicked ways and revive yourself, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive your sins and restore their land. Father God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this time that we are able to open up your word and we are able to dig in. We thank you for this time that we have been learning about revival. Revive our spirits. Revive our passion for you. Give us that passion that we once had when we first met you. That we just want to share you every chance we can. Speak through me today. In your holy and most gracious name. Amen. Revival. Two weeks ago, pastors started a new series on revival. So what is revival and what does revival mean? Last week when pastor said about revival, it was really cool that Jerry and Lynn's daughter, Nicole, put on there the definition of revival. I was like, oh, okay, I've never really looked at the true definition of it. So here is what it means. We're going to break the word down revive into two parts. So vive going back to French and then back to Latin, is meaning to have life, to live. And then the prefix of revival, re, meaning again, like we repeat something, you watch a rerun, it's again. So revival means to have life again or to live again. There is much more to just living. John 10.10 says, The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that you might have life and might have it more abundantly. Jesus wants to have a full life, a life that only he can satisfy, a life overflowing with joy. So we're going to go ahead and turn to Luke 19, and we're going to take a quick look at a character in the Bible who had a defining moment, who had a transformation, who had a point where he was just living and he needed to learn how to live abundantly and live in God. Now, we know very little about this character in these few verses, but it's such an important part that we can look at this character in our everyday lives. So we're going to learn about Jesus and Zacchaeus. So chapter 19, starting in verse number 1. Jesus entered Jericho and made his way through the town. There was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector in the region, and he had become very rich. 
He tried to get a look at Jesus, but he was too short to see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree beside the road, for Jesus was going to pass that way. When Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and called him by name. I think that's very important when we see that, that he called him by name. Jesus never met this man before, but he called him by name, just like he calls each and every one of us. He said, Zacchaeus, quick, come down. I must be a guest at your home today. Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy. But the people were displeased. He had gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner, they grumbled. Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I will give half of my wealth to the poor, Lord. And if I have cheated people on their taxes, I will give them back four times as much. Jesus responded, Salvation has come to this home today, for this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. Zacchaeus was in the direct lineage of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and save those who are lost. Zacchaeus, like they said, a tax collector, somebody who was not religious at all, a cheat, a liar. And yet when he's seen Jesus, he says, I've got to see this guy. I know there's something about him. If I can just hear what Jesus has to say, maybe something different will be in my life. Like I said in verse 5, he called Zacchaeus by name. Zacchaeus didn't go to Jesus begging and pleading with him. Jesus, change me, change me. No, Jesus took out Zacchaeus. He saw something in him and he called him. And it says, immediately Zacchaeus got down. Right away. He didn't try and argue with him. He came down. So how can you, how can we have personal revival in our lives? Point number one, to have a revival, you must have an encounter with Jesus. To have revival, you must have an encounter with Jesus. To fully live out the life that God wants you to live, that he has called you to, to live life to the fullest, To live abundantly, you must have an encounter with Jesus. So what does this encounter look like? It looks different to each and every one of us. Our turning point in life, our saving point, our point where we got to the end of ourselves and figured out we needed to get to the beginning of God is different for every individual. So you cannot compare your salvation experience to somebody else. Because God has called each and every one of us. And your story, your turning point is special. And it can touch somebody else without you even knowing it. So God is calling us like he called Zacchaeus. He's either calling us from something or to something. Some of us and some people he has called from addiction. Someone he's calling somebody from a bad relationship that they're in that does not have God in the center. He's calling somebody from a job that is a dead-end job and that they have to get away from in order to grow spiritually, financially, mentally. He's calling somebody away from that. Whatever is holding you back from living an abundant and full life is what he is calling you away from. 
But what about two? Maybe you're like, okay, nope, my job is good. Uh, You know, I'm happy there. Things are really good. He's not calling me away from that. My relationship with my wife, maybe my relationship with my boyfriend or girlfriend is good. Maybe I'm single and, and, and I'm good. I'm content. He's not calling me away from that. So maybe he's calling you to do something. Maybe he's calling you to be a part in the ministry here at New Hope. Maybe he's calling you to step up and teach a class. Maybe he's calling you to step up and lead a Bible study. Maybe he's calling you to lead your home like the godly man and woman you were supposed to do. Maybe he's calling you to teach your children more of the Bible and sit down with them and read the Bible more. Maybe he's just calling you to lead your spouse. Or maybe he's calling you to a new job because you are afraid and you say, but I'm so comfortable. A comfort garden is a beautiful place. But the thing is, nothing ever grows there. So what is he calling you to? Maybe you say, I'm not really that close to God. I was before, but I haven't had an encounter with him lately. If that's what he's calling you to, then he is calling you to just come home. Like the old hymn says, softly and tenderly, Jesus is calling, calling for you and for me. See on the portals, he's waiting and watching, watching for you and for me. And if you know the chorus, you can sing it with me. It says, come home, come home. Ye who are weary, come home. Earnestly, tenderly, Jesus is calling, calling O sinner, come home. Come home today. At the end of the service, like we always do and we always will, we will have an opportunity for you to come down and have an encounter with God. And you don't even have to come down to the altar to have an encounter with God. You can have an encounter with Him right in your seat. But I'm encouraging you to today, do not leave today if you have never had a true encounter with Him. You can lay it down to the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings, the one who knows everything, the one who cares about you, and have an encounter with Him. 1 Peter 2.9 says this, But you are not like that, for you are a chosen person. You are chosen people. God said, I have already chosen you because I see something great in you. And if you are here today, God's not done with you. You woke up today. He said, I'm still calling you. I'm still asking you to do something. You can still do something great and mighty for me. You are a chosen people. You are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness and the greatness of God. For he called you out of the darkness and into the wonderful and marvelous light. We are called to do something great. We are called to have an encounter with him. Are you going to answer that call? How can we have personal revival? Point number two, 
We must be dead and gone from our former selves. We must live a transformed life. We must put off the former things and we must die to ourselves. I had a friend in college and he went ahead and got a tattoo right here, just real small, right here in, the, in between his thumb and finger. And it was D-T-S. And the T was like a cross because it was die to self. And it was a reminder every single day when he'd wake up, I have to die to myself and I have to be transformed. Ephesians 4 verses 4 and 5 says this, But God is so rich in mercy that he loved us so much, even that we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life. When he raised Christ from the dead, it is only by God's grace that you have been saved. Revival comes when we get completely dissatisfied with ourselves. Complacency is the deadly enemy of spiritual progress. When we are complacent, that's when you will stop growing. When you are, I'm good, I'm good right here. That's when you stop growing and stop forming your further relationship with God. For those of you who are married, think about this. You didn't just stay where you were at in your dating. You continued to seek. You continued to go after that person. When speaking of earthly things, Paul said, I have learned how to be content. I have learned how to abase and abound. But when speaking of spiritual things, here's what he said in Philippians 3.14. He said, I press toward the mark. For the prize of the high calling in God, of God in Christ Jesus. He said, I press on. A few years ago, I read a book called Not a Fan about being a completely committed follower of Jesus Christ. After I read it, I was like, wow, this was really awesome. So I talked to Pastor and we did a short three week sermon series on it. I preached a week, then Pastor did, then I preached a week. Because this book changed my life. It sparked a revival in me. I've had the pleasure of buying this book for over a half dozen people because of how much it changed me. I was able to get it for people and be like, you've got to read this. This book will change and transform your life. And some people said, well, if you have it, I'll borrow it. And I'm like, no, no, this is my copy. Most people are like, well, you know, give it away. You know, I'll give it back. I'm like, no, because... Because this is all my thoughts, that things that just stuck out at me. And you could just flip through it and see how much is highlighted because it made me realize that sometimes I wasn't a completely devoted follower of Christ like I claimed to be. In the book it says this. It says, one way fans... So why it's called not a fan is because there's a difference between a fan and a follower. A fan is somebody who sits on the sidelines and cheers you on. A follower is one who gets in the game and starts doing it. So it's calling us to not just sit on the sidelines, not just come to church, but be a part of the church. Sometimes I wear one of these bracelets that say not a fan just to remind me how much I need to follow Christ. But it says this, one way fans 
or one way we try to follow Jesus without denying ourselves is by compartmentalizing the areas of our lives we don't want Jesus to have access to. It says they, but I'm going to replace it with we. We, or I, try and negotiate the terms of the deal. I'll follow Jesus, but I'm not going to sell my possessions. Don't ask me to forgive the people who hurt me. They don't deserve that. Don't ask me to save sex for marriage. I can't help my desires. Don't ask me to give a percentage of my money. I've worked hard for that. And instead of following Jesus with our financial life, we follow Money Magazine. In our relationships, instead of following Jesus, people follow Oprah. And in, in their sex lives, they follow Cosmo. We don't die to ourselves and put everything aside. We are to die to ourselves completely, lay it all down and follow him if we want to have true revival in ourselves. We will give everything to him. Our past is no more and we don't even need to remember it again. How can we have personal revival? Point number three. To have a personal revival, you must spend time with Jesus. This one is one that truly hits me because I know I do not nearly spend enough time in daily reading with Jesus. You can't have revival if you only acknowledge the presence of Jesus one day a week when you come to church. Zacchaeus spent time with Jesus. We don't know how much physical time they spent together, but in that moment that Zacchaeus was with Jesus, he was totally repentful of all the things he had done. In that brief time, it was enough time for him to realize that he was a sinner and in need of God's grace, a sinner in need of repentance. He knew that in order to get to the beginning of God, he had to get to the end of of himself. He had to lay it all down. In order for us to grow as humans, we feed our physical body. So why do we not feed our spiritual body? We need to spend time with God. Well, you may say, well, well, I'm here today. Yes, but do you only eat physical food once a week also? When you try to follow Jesus without being filled daily with the Spirit, you will find yourself frustrated by your failures and exhausted by your efforts. When you try to follow Jesus without being filled daily with the Spirit, you will find yourself frustrated by your failures and exhausted by your efforts. It doesn't just stop with reading the Word. That is the beginning part of it, spending time with Jesus. So how do we have personal revival? Point number four. To have a personal revival, you must obey the word of God. All revivals are filled by, fueled by Scripture. At all times we seek an accurate understanding of the text, but we are never satisfied with the understanding alone. True revival comes in obedience to the truth of God. Zacchaeus showed some radical obedience. Jesus said, Zacchaeus, come down. 
right away he went. He didn't, well, I'm kind of comfortable up here, Jesus. It's a nice view. He said, Zacchaeus, get down here. And he got down right away. He said, Zacchaeus, I'm going to your house. Zacchaeus didn't make excuses. Well, the house isn't ready for you today. Well, how about we go somewhere else? Jesus said, Zacchaeus, I'm going to your house. And they went. Zacchaeus did not make up excuses of why he could not obey Jesus. Radical obedience is such an important key in walking in personal revival. The story of Jonah, we just learned about that last month. Pastor talked about it. And that's a one that comes to mind when you talk about radical obedience. When you do, when you follow with obedience, the fruit can be astonishing. After Jonah disobeyed God and ran from his call to preach to Nineveh, And he finally surrendered and finally obeyed God and finally had that revival in him. In just one day, the most significant revival in all of history. In just one day of Jonah preaching, the king repented. All of the people in the city did. They called a fast because of this. They turned away from their sin and God turned away his wrath on them. On that disobedient city. The story is amazing. One man's obedience was an entire city's deliverance. Never underestimate the call of God on you to perform a task, no matter how small you think it is. No matter how small you think, well, it's just sitting back in the nursery, it's just being with the toddlers, it's just teaching, you know, the Sunday school class. It's just bringing donuts. It's just being here to open the door, to close up. One little act of obedience can change the world. You never know the impact that you're going to have on somebody when you obey Christ. People are watching us every single day. When you claim you're a Christian, Those eyes are on you all the time. So when those eyes are on you all the time and God prompts you to do something and you obey, that person's like, wow, they're different. What do they have? I want that. I want that joy, that peace. This scripture from Jonah, it gives us hope for our country right now. That God will raise up radical revivalists all over America that would begin to sound the alarm and awaken the church. The church is what is sleeping. The church is what is dying. The church is the one who's complacent. And we need to make that change. What America needs more than anything is men and women who would obey the voice of God no matter the cost. What Ohio needs, what Northeast Ohio needs, is the people who are here in the sanctuary today, who are listening on Facebook, maybe listening later this week, who are going to say, I'm going to obey Christ no matter the cost. How do we have personal revival? Point number five, we must walk with the wise. Proverbs 13, 20 says, walk with the wise and become wise. 
associate with fools and get in trouble. When we hear the word fool in the Bible, we're not just talking about somebody who's goofing around. When you see the word fool, it's somebody who is unbiblical, somebody who is not a believer. So when we want a personal revival in our life, we must start living for him, and we have to be careful who we hang out with. CJ says here in recovery that you cannot heal in the same environment which made you broken. For addicts, they cannot heal if they are around people who are addicted all the time. They have to break away from that. So in order for us to find true revival, we have to walk away from the people who are bringing us away from God and start to hang out with the ones who are drawing close to God. They say you are a product of the five closest people around you, the five people that you are the closest to. Think about that. Think about the five, your five best friends, your five people who you are with all the time, and think, do I really want to be like them? Yes, we have to be around those people who are unsaved, who are not biblical, so that way we can witness to them and we can help draw them to Christ. But you also need to make sure you're going and being around people who are biblical, who are biblically minded, who want to influence you for the good, who are godly and righteous people. If you want to be financially sound, you have to be around somebody who has their money on point and who knows how to save and how to do things the proper way. If you want your marriage to blossom, then you have to be around a couple that you look at and say, I know they have problems because everybody does, but wow, the love that they have for each other. I can see how they build each other up. We want that in our relationship. So you have to seek out a couple who will invest into you. And if you want to be a spiritual leader, if you want to live for God, then you have to find somebody who's not just talking the talk, but somebody who is walking the walk. And you will learn from them. It is almost impossible to live the right way when you have the wrong friends. So how can we have personal revival? Point number six. You must not settle. Don't settle for just Okay, don't settle for a mediocre relationship with God. Don't settle for eh, the Christian life is okay. You know, yeah, I went to church this week. Like we said, he wants us to live abundantly. He wants us to live a full and fruitful and happy and holy life. If you want personal revival, you must set your mind and your heart on God and not be turned away by those who encourage an easier path, a mild deviation, or just a little spirituality. Revelations 3.16 says that if you are lukewarm, I will spit you out of my mouth. It says, if you're just a, eh, I come to church, what's even the point? Because you're not really truly living for God. Jeremiah 29.12 and 13 says, In those days when you pray, I will 
listen. If you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. As we persevere in seeking the Lord, we will be revived. As we walk the path that God lays out for us, eternal things become more dearer by far, and lesser things take their proper place under God and his kingdom. God is our delight. So how can we have personal revival? What is it in your life that you know you need to get rid of? You know you need to change. Saying, well, I'm not really as close to God as I need to be. One last scripture. One last scripture for today. Romans chapter 6. Starting in verse 1. It says, well then, should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more of his wonderful grace? Of course not. Since we have died to sin... How can we continue to live in it? Or have you forgotten that when you were joined with Christ Jesus in his baptism, you also joined him in his death? For for we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new, revived lives. Since we have been united with him in his death, we will also be raised up to life as he was. We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might loose its power in our lives. We are no longer, you are no longer a slave to sin. For when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. And since we died with Christ, we know that we will also live with him. We are sure of this because Christ was raised from the dead and he will never die again. Death no longer has power over him. When he died, he died once to break the power of sin. But now that he lives, he lives for the glory of God. So you also should consider yourselves to be dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Christ Jesus. Verse 12, do not let sin control the way you live. Do not give in to sinful desires. Do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve him. Instead, give yourselves completely to God for you were dead, but now you have new life. So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. Sin is no longer your master. For you no longer live under the requirement of the law, but instead you live under the freedom of God's grace. Well then, since God's grace has set us free from the law, does that mean that we can go on sinning? Of course not. Don't you realize that you have become become the slave of whatever you choose to obey? You become the slave to whatever you choose to obey. You can be a slave to sin, which leads to death, or you can choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living. Thank God. Once you were slaves of sin, but now you wholeheartedly obey this teaching we have given you. Now you are set free from your slavery to sin, and you have become slaves to righteous living. Because of the weakness of your human nature, 
I am using the illustration of slavery to help you understand this. Previously, you let yourself be slaves to impurity and lawlessness, which led even deeper into sin. Now you must give yourselves to be slaves to righteous living so that you will become holy and revived. Verse 20. When you were slaves to sin, you were free from the obligation to do right. And what was the result? You are now ashamed of the things you used to do, things that end in eternal doom. But now you are free from the power of sin and you have become slaves of God. Now you do these things that lead to holiness and result in eternal life. Verse 23. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Personal revival. It's something we all need. Something we all should strive for. What's holding you back from living abundantly? To truly have revival, we must follow. Anywhere, we must go to anyone at any time. There is no revival without repentance. There is no revival without surrender. There is no revival without death. And there is no revival without committing. When we have that true revival, we will learn to follow Jesus. When we find that obedience comes from the inside out. Submission to God Submission to what God wants for our lives flows naturally out of that relationship. It is not to say that what we do or doesn't do doesn't matter, but what we do or don't do must come from who we are as a follower of Jesus. What we do and don't do comes from the Scripture, comes from everything He has told us what we should be doing in the Bible. If we are truly going to have revival, it means humbly taking up your cross and making nothing of yourself. When you find true revival in yourself and decide that you want to truly live for Him, it will cost you something. And it will most likely bring pain and suffering. You can't carry a cross without suffering. Last time I preached, I preached on boldness. And one of the things I said, I said that if you're not ready to live for Christ, if you're not ready for spiritual opposition, then you're not ready to live for Christ. If you're not ready for spiritual opposition in your life, then you're not ready for revival. I have faced that spiritual opposition, that physical opposition, that mental opposition in our lives. We're going through it right now, me and my wife. And it's hard every day to pick up our cross and 
follow him. But I know in the end that God will work things out. Can you truly say you have a revived spirit if it hasn't cost you anything? Has what has or what will revival cost you? What will revival cost you? If there is no sacrifice involved, if you are not the least bit uncomfortable, there is a good chance that revival has not and is not taking place. Revival would mean making some significant life changes. Today, all across Ohio, all across the country, all across the world, there are many of us who say, I don't need revival. I am living just fine. I'm a follower of Christ already. But those people have never picked up the cross and suffered for him. The most basic and obvious definition of revival would be making a significant life change for Christ. The time is now. The day is today. Don't tell yourself tomorrow I'm going to surrender that secret sin. Don't tell yourself tomorrow I'm going to start being more generous to those in need. Don't tell yourself tomorrow I'll volunteer. Or tomorrow I'll pick up the Bible. Tomorrow I'll pick up a good Christian book. Tomorrow... I'll start living for Him. Today is the day to start revival. Because tomorrow might never come. We must have an encounter with Jesus. We must die to ourselves. We must spend time with Him. We must obey His Word. We must walk with the wise. And we must not settle for just okay. Live for Him. Start that revival today. Father God, we thank You that You give us another chance to live for You. Another chance for revival. We all woke up today so we can be sure that you are not done with us yet. We can be sure that you still have great and wonderful and mighty plans for our lives if we just surrender to your call. Let us look to you live for you and die to ourselves. We're going to be opening up the altar for a chance for you to have an encounter with God. There's people who will pray with you. There's people who understand what you're going through. You may think nobody understands. You may not understand but we can still love you. We can still be here for you. And we can still walk with you. You have a choice today.
to surrender and live a revived life or just live okay? For me, I'd rather live abundantly. Amen. Sing with us.